You're listening to Radio Influence. You are in the trenches with former Buccaneers offensive lineman Ian Beckles on Radio Influence. Hello, everybody. This is Ian Beckles, and welcome back to In the Trenches. This is going to be a special show. Um, The draft just went by, and uh, I don't really like the opinions of too many people in this area when it comes to football. And this young man, I happen to uh, admire what he does. I think he puts a lot of work into it, and I can tell there is a difference. Uh, Young Trevor Sikama from the Pewter Report and the Draft Network. How are you doing today, brother? I'm doing good, man. It's good to be back in the trenches with you. In the trenches, baby. This this is where it happens. This is where games are won, in the the trenches. No doubt about it. No doubt. Now, uh, Trevor's been uh, speaking on the Buccaneers for a while um, and becoming kind of like the draft guru of the area. You okay with that title? I'm cool with that title. Okay. I'm cool with that title. That the draft is, is something I love to do. So if somebody calls me a draft guru, I'm never going to okay correct him. There you, you know? go. Now, you actually went to the Combine, did you not? Yeah, I went to the Combine. I was at whew, I was at East-West Shrine game this year. I was at the Senior Bowl. I was at the Combine. And I was at the draft in wow. Nashville. So I hit all four. No doubt. So you're the perfect person to, to talk about yeah. uh, what's going on here. Uh, first, first and foremost, let's let's talk about the Combine. I mean, I'm, I'm an old uh, son of a gun. I was in the Combine in uh, 80. Or it would have been 90. What was it like uh, when you were there? A lot different probably, huh? Way different. When I when I watch the Combine, first of all, there's a lot more people, it seems like. It's a bigger deal. Oh, I mean, it's televised. Huge deal now. Even the even the, the stuff that these guys are wearing, we got like grays, and that was it. Now these guys are wearing Under Armour and shoes, and it's a, it's a big deal. Um, but the Combine is something that, uh, I didn't know I was going to get invited to. I did mm-hmm. get invited to it, and it's it's good to be amongst your peers and see where sure. you, where you stand. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But it's it's just competition, man. It's competition, and I'm I hope that if you're uh, the Buccaneers or any uh, other organization, you don't put too too much weight on the combine. For me, it's film. Yeah, I mean, hundred mm-hmm. percent. I mean, film is film is where you get all of your opinions from on a guy. To me, and don't get me wrong. I love the draft as a spectacle. Mm-hmm. So I love watching the combine, you know, freaking out when a guy runs in the four threes sure, yeah, yeah. or jumping super far high or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, after the combine, when I'm actually doing my real work mm-hmm. for the draft, um, you what the combine is for, it's there to check boxes, okay. right? If a guy's fast on film, mm-hmm. you want to see him run fast. Absolutely. Okay. You know, if he if he wins in short area, mm-hmm. he better be agile. Right. Like he better be able to show that, right? If he wins with length, mm-hmm. you better come in with the right measurements. Sure. So you better hit the thresholds. Mm-hmm. Those are my things. And then everything at the combine, whether you like it or not, it always has to go back to the tape. Because Correct. there are tons of guys who run and do things at the combine every single year mm-hmm. that you go, Wow, you know, that guy ran way faster than I thought he would. Correct. Or that guy, that guy's moving a lot better than I thought he would. But if you go back to the tape then mm-hmm. and you don't see it, then it don't matter. Then it doesn't exist. Right. It so like you exist. said, he's mm-hmm. just ma- he's just making that Under Armour gear look good. Sure, that's exactly. all he's doing, right? Exactly. He's not actually contributing to the football team. So that's kind of the thing with the combine for me. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I love the weekend. It's a lot of fun for sure. me. It's fun to freak out when everybody else does. But when it comes to evaluation, mm-hmm. it's simply there to check the boxes of what you already saw in film. And if mm-hmm. there is something a little bit different, you just go back to the film. Sure. With that new information, sure. see if you can see something you didn't see before. What percentage would you give to film as you know, compared to uh, the combine? I mean, I would say for me, it would be 80-20. 80, 80% film, 20% combine. Yeah, I mean, 
you got to, for the most part, you got to be an athlete to play mm-hmm. in this league, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like you just, you have to be athletic enough to play in the league. Correct. So at that point, you've got to, you've got to check those boxes at the combine. But certainly, I mean, 80, 85, even mm-hmm. 90, whatever you want to call it, what you put out on film, mm-hmm. it's who you are as a football exactly. player. You're not do you're not putting the helmet on. You're not putting the pads on when you're doing the combine mm-hmm. stuff. Okay. That's simply there to say, Hey, how much of an athlete did we see this guy be on tape? Mm-hmm. Let's see it at the combine. Yep. Good or bad. You never want it to be bad, right? You never. For example, like a guy like uh, Draymond Jones okay. from Ohio State, okay? He's a guy who, a little bit of a lighter interior defensive lineman, wins with finesse a lot. Now, this is just a random example. Yep. Wins with finesse, can mm-hmm. shoot some gaps, he's better with speed, and that's not always the case with interior defensive linemen, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. when he came to the combine then, he wouldn't. He wasn't like an overly impressive athlete. So all of a sudden it's like, uh uh-oh, you won based off – you were given up size Mm -hmm. to be more of an athlete at the college level, and you didn't stack up that well athletically with your peers going into the NFL, especially like NFL averages. Mm -hmm. At that point, that's something where it's like, okay, now I got to go back and realize, okay, how valuable really are you? How much of a pass rusher are you going to be? So that's just kind of a little example there of what the combine would Mm -hmm. be towards what like a film grade would be. Like having, you know, played in the league for a while, a lot of the guys that I played against that were some of the better players, and I'm not talking about Reggie White and John Randall. We know those are Hall of Fame guys, but I played against guys like John Jerkovic, okay? You don't really know that name. It's mm-hmm. a guy who played for a while, but was a solid football player. He's not going to impress anybody at the Combine, okay? But right. when you watch his film, he's impressive. Mm-hmm. And when I hear people evaluating um, future NFL players, when I hear things like plays high, boy, I tell you what, that's really not going to work in the league. No. It's not going to work. Right. Or doesn't show up. And I was like, okay, why are we talking about these guys so early when they're not showing up? If you don't show up on college film, you will not show up in the NFL. Yeah. Period. I'm learning that a lot more. Mm-hmm. That, that kind of when I when I really started scouting, and I'm very much a part of the Madden generation, so you know, you go over to sure. speed, you sport, you sort the speed category, you just pick the are guys. You good Madden? Fat. You good oh, Madden? Am I good at Madden? I, I used to be better, but I'd say I'm pretty good on the sticks. I just played a guy the other day, uh, Kristen Dunn's name, I can't remember his name right now, but he's from this area. Yeah. And he was in the Madden Challenge on ESPN oh, Top 16. So he whooped your ass. 32 nothing at half. <laughs> 32 nothing. That's, that's mercy rule in my house. You got to yeah. give up the controller at that but point. The so. second half, I came back and beat him in the second half. I was was 14 to 7, but I think he was taking it easy on me. But we'll, we'll, play, we'll play one day. No, so, but like that's something where. I have learned more and more that you know before when I was when I was you know scouting back in like 2013 2014 just amateur doing it on my own I'd look at a lot of traits that guys had and mm-hmm. been like okay this guy's got the length I see the speed I do all mm-hmm. this stuff but the more and more I've learned it like look if you don't see that at the college level, mm-hmm. the chance that you then see it out of nowhere in the NFL Correct. is just so slim, and that you can't just you can't be betting on mm-hmm. those things to happen. Sure. You basically got to be like, hey, if we luck out mm-hmm. with this guy on a late pick, okay, but you can't prioritize like stuff like that. You've got to be able to see it on college. Little things for me uh, when I'm watching a defensive end, we'll see, and they're showing his highlights, and I'm watching a defensive end from the SEC or the ACC, wherever it is, and on the snap, he's quicker than the tackle. He gets by him without the tackle bear. That's not football, okay? Because that's not going to happen in the league. That's what I'm saying. It's not going to. You know who's right? like that? You know who's perfect example? Who? Gaines Adams. Oh, okay. Gaines Adams. I watched his film and I go, I didn't see one film where he ran through somebody. Mm-hmm. Not one. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're quick. Good for you. But when Walter Jones is standing there with his looking you right in your eye, <laughs> you have to go through him. Yeah. So Gaines Adams spent his whole short career in the NFL and may he rest in peace he did pass 
trying to beat somebody outside. Yeah. It's not going to happen in the yeah. league. I want to see a guy like a, a Bosa turn into somebody and use some leverage yes. and, and lose his length yeah. and use his violence. I got to see some violence. And those are some things that are important to me. It's a big boys league. You know? it is a, it is at a big at the end of the league. day, it's a big boys league. There's yeah. a reason why you go for the guys who are bigger, taller, and you know, hopefully faster. It's because yeah. you got to prioritize. Them. Yeah, that's how it goes. And these days, you know, when I played, 300 pounds was big for a defensive lineman. It's still big, but now 300 pounds, you know, looks like Aaron Donald. Right. You know, that it, it used to look like you know Gilbert Brown looking people. Yeah. But now they got dudes six seven three fifty moving. I know. And that's a problem. All right, let me ask you a question. Because yeah. you played, so, and I always wonder about this. Because mm-hmm. college, I think it's worse than the NFL. But if you are, let's say you're listed at 300. Okay. They list you on the website at 300. Mm-hmm. What are you playing at? Like, what's your play weight? At the beginning of the year, probably 300. The end of the year, probably 310, 315, probably. Okay, really? Yeah. Okay. Usually, all right. Okay. Usually. I just wonder, because weights go all over. That's one of the biggest things in the scouting community. Mm. One of the hardest things for us to get down. And one of the big reasons why the combine is huge mm. is because we sit here in these schools. They just straight up lie on a lot of these, yeah, on, their, on, their, <laughs> yeah, on their heights and weights. Well, who doesn't lie? Well, I mean, <laughs> trust me, I know, but I'm trying to figure it out. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So that's another reason why the combine is so huge for me is I just want to check the height weight box. Sure. So I always wonder what guys are playing at versus what they're listing. Well, again, let me give you a story about myself. You know, um, on the program, you know, they don't really ever measure you in college. So they're like, yeah. how tall are you? I go 6'3". <laughs> okay. So and I'm, I'm, I, I measured at the combine at, right at 6'1". Okay. Yeah. So yeah, like I was six foot. On my Tinder profile. Sure, you know, you know, you know what I mean. Why not? So <laughs> the scouts, you know, they would. I see, I saw the scouts going in to watch film. All yeah. right, and they came out and they were like, they, I heard them talking. And I heard my name. So the one guy goes, "What's your name?" I said, "Ian Beckles." And he walked up next to me. Goes, "Boy, I thought you were six three. And I go, "I am." He starts to laugh, and he looks at me. Goes, "If you were six five, you'd be our first pick in the draft." That's what he said to me. And I go. Well, I'm six one. He goes, that's why you're not going to be a first-round pick. And I go, well, that doesn't make sense, does it? He goes, it doesn't have to make sense. He goes, you don't draft a 6'1 guard in the first round. Hmm. But that bothered me. Because uh, all the guys that they picked before me, or most of them, yeah. that were 6'5", didn't play well. Right. They didn't, like Bob Kula from Michigan State, he was just big. He didn't, I don't know if he played a down in the NFL. So, to me, height has been, you know, exaggerated for so long. And I understand why it started. Because if you're a lineman, you're six foot. Normally, you're going to have shorter arms. And you're not going to be able to deal with those big, long guys. So, that's why they like a, a taller lineman. So, let's let's go to the draft, okay? Let's fast forward to the draft. Sure. Um, first of all, how did you like the Buccaneers draft? Um, I will say this. <laughs> uh... That coaching staff better be good. <laughs> they better be good. You're right. <laughs> You're right. You're right. That's also And people ask me this uh, really through free agency. You know, when all these players are going out and the Bucks weren't signing anybody, they're like, oh, they're not signing anybody. I'm like, I'm like, look, the best free agent pick the Bucks made this year was Bruce Arians. Better be. Okay. And in the draft, the way that I'm looking at it, when I look at this draft on paper, the the only thing I say is, yeah, right. They better know what they're doing, <laughs> and if they do, yeah. good for them. Hell yeah, they hit a home run. But come on, man, they picked. <laughs> they, they have Kendall Beck was situation mm-hmm. okay, where not, they not gonna they play knew he was not going to play. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that dude's ever going to play again. Okay? He might not. They lose Quan Alexander. They mm-hmm. lose out on the bidding war to him, which Grant they shouldn't have been spending fifteen million on. They weren't in that war, really. So right, you don't do that. The Jason Pierre-Paul thing happens. That's, you know, you can't really predict any of that. But the Gerald McCoy thing, you've known about this issue since about January. Mm. They go all the way until the fourth round without picking a trench player. 
What? I didn't get it either. So I didn't get it. I, and it's weird. It's weird because individually, I can see some of these picks. I can go like, okay, Devin White, he's going to be a really damn good football player. I think. That's what I hear. But then after that, they go, I, and, and like right after that, they go Sean Bunting. It's so, okay, okay. I like Sean Bunting. Okay. But then they go corner, and then another DB. Yeah. And then a and then a D end in the fourth round, and then a kicker. And then a kicker. Well, I just like on paper, it was one of the strangest drafts I've seen. And my only thought is that coaching staff better know what they're doing. Well, I mean, everybody's heard before that you start getting better at the ball, and then if you're good at the ball going out, That's, you're going to win. You have the best. Yeah. You have the, at the snap wherever yeah. the ball is. The mm-hmm. closer you are to the ball. Correct. If you're strong at the ball, going out, that means line, trenches, linebacker, um, you know, even running back. I mean, you got to be strong. You got to be physical. You got to be strong. As a team, last year, we'll just go to free agency. Mm-hmm. We spent money in free agency, and everybody listen, to be the same. We spent money to be the same. Mm-hmm. We lost Humphreys. We lost Quan Alexander. We, okay, we replaced him with, in, in the draft. That's fine. We didn't really re- replace Humphreys. Not really, mm-hmm. okay? So... You're right about Arians. If Bruce Arians coaches this team to go 8-8, eight and eight, it's going to say a whole lot about Dirk Cutter and his regime because yeah. this team on paper right now, as we sit right now, is 20% worse than it was last year. Mm-hmm. It's, it, we didn't get better. And I don't want to hear about rookies making your team better. That doesn't work, okay? Devin White might be a fantastic football player. He's going to learn this year. We'll see signs of greatness. I think, but, yeah, I was doing a podcast with you when you told me rookies suck. They suck. <laughs> but rookie, rookies love, make rookie mistakes. And I love that. And I started 16 games as a rookie. If I went back and watched that film, I'd be sick to my stomach because you're making rookie mistakes. Mm-hmm. So we, you don't get better through the draft. You get better through free agency, and I don't think we got better. We spent money on uh, not uh, this year, not this, yes. this yeah. year exactly. Yeah. And you know we're coming off of two five and eleven seasons, and we're hoping for big things in, the, in you know this season with Arians coming in. But I still don't really understand how Jason Light kept his job. Mm-hmm. I really don't to have to go five and eleven two years in a row and have the worst salary cap situation in the NFL. How do you how do you how do you keep your job? I don't know if they had the worst salary cap situation because they were paying a lot of guys that they liked, but certainly like Jerome McCoy's situation doesn't help. Um, if Jerome McCoy was playing well, it'd be fine. But they signed that contract long ago, anyways. They were in a weird situation where. They had to bring back Donovan Smith. They had to bring him back at the franchise they sure tag. Did. They yeah, sure and, did. and they had to bring him back at the franchise tag, yep. basically level value. And so it was just like a, a Bucks fans everywhere were like, "Oh, why aren't we adding this guy at these?" And I'm like, "With what money? They have I mean, no money." This and the thing is, is that I don't even think this. I don't even think the salary cap situation was that bad. I really don't. It's just that some years you have money to spend, some years you don't. Correct. You obviously want to be able to set yourself up to, more often than not, give yourself those complimentary pieces no every year. But some sometimes the money's just tied up. I just thought that that's what it was for the Bucks this year. I just but didn't tied think up on up. a 5-11 team two years in a well, row, that's a bad tied up. That's a bad tied up. You know, coaching staff can't get it done. <laughs> when you see teams like the Jets and they have $100 million, I mean, I, if you've been losing, that's fine. But if you have $100 million, you can improve your team immediately. I'm seeing teams like Seattle, you know, Signing uh, uh, Ziggy Ansah, mm-hmm. and I was like, "What is happening? Yeah, like they're already so much better than we are." And who did we sign? And when you go to the draft and you and you draft a bunch of defensive backs and you don't have a rush, we don't have JPP. We're going to lose Gerald McCoy, and we're going to get to Gerald McCoy in a second. We have no pass rush. I asked Tony Dungy ages ago on the air, on the air. I go, Coach, what's more important, great DBs or great pass rush? And I wasn't finished saying pass rush yet, and he said. 
Beck, you know it's pass rush. <laughs> you can have the best DBs in the world, and if you don't have a pass rush, we haven't rushed a passer since Simeon Rice. I mean, last year we did a little bit better, but it wasn't nearly good enough. Yeah. So we haven't really, you know, gone after a, a passer in a long time. We don't scare anybody. Now, yeah. let's go to Gerald McCoy, okay? You know, everybody has heard what I've said about Gerald McCoy throughout the years, and I've never said Gerald McCoy is a bad football player. I, I think Gerald McCoy is a good football player, okay? He's not what everybody else thinks he is, in my mind. That's my opinion. But the way this has been handled, mm-hmm. Bruce Arians said something about Gerald McCoy that you don't do. You can't do it and retain him. You can't do it. You can't ch- you can't challenge his manhood yeah. and his love for the game yeah. and then think that you can look him in the face and say, you're our guy. It's The thing that was the most weird to me about that situation is that from every account that I've learned of, um, in speaking of situations for Bruce Arians, positively about him, he's very much a guy who is accepting of like all players, right? He gives okay. people second chances. Okay. Like he gives like all this kinds of like he supports players through a lot of different things. And then how they handled McCoy specifically mm-hmm. was not in line with any of that. Good. And I'm not saying that the other stories were BS because I don't think they are. Mm-hmm. I think that Bruce is a good coach. And I think he's a good players coach too. I think I've he deals mm-hmm. well with the players. But the way that right, I th- I'm with you. The way that the McCoy thing was handled was so odd because it, it doesn't help. Anything. It was almost like the second he got in here, he's like, "We're getting rid of McCoy." Yeah, let's get like we're moving on. Well, I mean, they they sat back and they watched some film and they evaluated. I don't disagree with what Bruce Arians said. I really don't. Okay, because he's also going by what he's heard in the locker room from others. Okay, yeah. you know, Gerald McCoy once again is a polarizing cat because of. Uh, his, the love people have for him. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's him. Every time somebody talks about Jerry McCoy, the first thing I have to say is a good guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't, want, I don't care if somebody's a good guy. I want to evaluate you as a football player, and that's it. I don't care if you're a good guy. Actually, sometimes son of a bitches are better. Okay? Oh, yeah. Like, I want somebody that you look at and he's going to punch you in the face. Okay? This, sure. I, I was listening to Chris Sims this morning on uh, this, the show he's on, uh, on NFL Network, I believe it is. And, um, he said the first time he walked into the locker room, he saw Warren Sapp. And listen, everybody knows about Warren Sapp, but you can't question his football play. Okay, you can't do that. Right. Warren, he said he walked into the locker room and he stuck his hand out of Warren Sapp and Warren looked and he goes, he goes, win a game first. <laughs> win a game first. <laughs> and so I was like, it sounds crazy. But, th- but then Chris Sims said, then Warren took me under his wing and I was like his little brother. Yeah. Gerald McCoy's too nice, okay? He's too nice of a person. He, his being is too nice to be a leader of anything, okay? That's, that's me. And I've been dogged out before by saying you shouldn't pick somebody off the ground, but that's what I came from. I, I, one time I saw Charles McRae pick somebody off the ground, and Carl Mock was our offensive line coach, and he was about as old school as can be. Mm-hmm. He looked like Hoss Cartwright. Mm-hmm. And he stopped the film, and he goes, if I ever see somebody pick somebody off the ground again, I'm going to cut you. That's what he said. He goes, not only do you not pick a guy off the ground, if the whistle doesn't blow, go down and gore the son of a bitch. And I'm like, that's where I'm from. So right. to see Jerry McCoy, when yeah. he's mic'd up, hit Ben Roethlisberger and try to grab him and say, sorry, Ben, like that drives me batshit crazy. It drives me nuts. I like Brian Cox, okay? I like Brian Cox who wants to fight everybody in the field. Those are the kind of guys that I played against. Yeah. So, he challenges Gerald McCoy's manhood. Gerald McCoy comes back at him, okay? And everybody's like, we're going to keep Gerald McCoy. 
you know that can't happen, right? Yeah, I mean... It can't happen now. I mean, now it can. It cannot happen. You can't have a locker room where... You're questioning what, what... I mean, now we would just sit here the entire season yeah. and any time anything bad yep. happened, we'd yep. just go, oh, what's the, the yep. relationship with Gerald or whatever. Uh-huh. I don't, you know, you, you obviously played the game, so you have a better perspective of, of that kind of stuff, especially within the trenches mm-hmm. than I do. I don't know if it's Gerald's too nice. Um, I, I wouldn't go out and, and say something like that just because I don't really understand What's the, the meanest thing you have, you've ever seen him do? The, me- the-, um, the meanest thing I've ever seen Gerald McCoy do. Um, oh wait! Oh wait! <laughs> uh, <laughs> bitch out somebody on Twitter. <laughs> That's good answer. Sorry, he blocked me on. He blocked me on Twitter. That's one of the meanest. I like Gerald. I really do. And I know, you know everybody likes and, him. I know. And you know what? Here's the thing, though. <laughs> but here's the thing with Gerald. And I said this on the Pewter Nation podcast when we were kind of talking about all this. Gerald McCoy, and this is, it wasn't even really in defense of Gerald. It was kind of just summarizing everything and really the way that it seems like the Bucks have handled this. Because if they were going to move on from Gerald McCoy, that's one thing. This is something else. It's different. This is like dragging on, mm-hmm. you know, hanging him over the boat while the boat's run, running. Like, it's it's a weird thing. And it's it was weird to me that this is how they're treating him, even with the new head coach and everything, even with Bruce Arians maybe being the one calling the shots. Because Gerald McCoy has had to be the player face of this franchise for all their screw-ups since 2010. It's had to be him, right? I mean, Raheem Morris, Greg Schiano, Mm -hmm. Lovey Smith, Dirk Cutter, they lose from all of them. Mm -hmm. They lose the whole time. It sucked. Okay? There was nothing. And Gerald McCoy had to be the face of that the whole time. And you know what? He got exhausted. Now, some other guys, when when the rubber hits the road, Mm -hmm. they just get pissed off about it. So these are the guys that you'd be talking about. Like, hey, I'm not putting up with this anymore. We're not doing this. I'm getting pissed off. I'm getting vocal. This this is how we're doing it. Gerald... Gerald just got exhausted, and you can see it. And he turned the other way. He turned into the, look, man, this team has hung me out to drive for seven, eight years. I, I can't put energy in well, it. You see, no, That's I, what I look at. You see, when I see I, I'm going to disagree with you wholeheartedly, okay? He put himself in it, okay? Gerald McCoy was the quickest guy to tell somebody that he's the leader of this team. He said it all the time. I never heard Warren Sapp say it. I never heard Derek Brooks say it. I never heard John Lynch say it. I never heard Mike Allstott say it, although they were our leaders. They're mm-hmm. our spiritual and field generals, Okay. How many times do I have to hear somebody say they're the leader of something? Okay, say you're leading an army, and every time you go to war, you get your ass kicked. Eventually, you're going to go a different direction. Sure. So, Gerald McCoy, to me, put himself in that, and I think it says a whole lot when all of a sudden they took your championship away. Your teammates took your I mean, captainship that away. that is the biggest thing to me, is that this is something that's voted on by the players, correct? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. And he didn't get captain last year. Now, I mean, I've talked to numerous players, Yeah, m- more so former players that have played with him. The media tells us that Gerald McCoy's a leader. You don't never heard a player say it. Well, I mean. I've look, never heard it. When you're in your, what was he in, ninth year, mm-hmm. you've been a five-time, six-time Pro Bowler. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're a team that lets, I mean, last year they were coming off, they, they had all the talent in the world, or at least they thought. They it thought that they were going to get it done, and he didn't get voted captain. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could stop this conversation here if you want. That's sure. all you need. No, I'm not saying like no, we can't, but it. like that's – if you don't get voted captain in your ninth year on a yeah. team that's trying to make a playoff yeah. push for a team that's really talented and you're a five-time, six-time pro it bowler. It says a lot, though. It says a lot. It says a lot. It does. And it said a lot from well, – Regardless of what I think or anybody correct. thinks it's Gerald McCoy, mm-hmm. right? It says a lot. And, and to me, he's, the, he's one of the weirdest – athletes that I've ever really covered, okay, because of the perception of him, okay, because 
perception is reality as well for me, okay? Mm-hmm. So if somebody says, is he good? And you're a defensive lineman. They're, they make up statistics for Gerald McCoy. He's disruptive. Now, what in the hell is he disrupted? What is he disrupted? We, he doesn't get any sacks. He doesn't make tackles. Everybody runs the ball down our throat. All the quarterbacks are comfortable. Mm-hmm. What is he disrupting? He's been, he's been, he, he, he wasn't even better than Nassif last year. He wasn't better than Vita V at the, last, at the end of last. He wasn't. He, and I've never seen a player that highly, you know, sought after. And, 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 you know, everybody's like, Gerald McCoy, this team is led by Gerald McCoy. And the ball run right by him all game long. Mm-hmm. And I, that's all I watch. I don't give a shit about disruption. Make a tackle. It's important for me. Make a damn tackle. So how do you think this turns out? Do you think they just cut him out? I don't know why they haven't already. So, look, man, I... <sighs> I told you that I, I said they were probably going to cut him when Adam Schefter put out the report at the beginning of January that mm-hmm. went, hey, the Bucks are thinking about moving on from Gerald McCoy. Because the second that gets out yeah, there, yeah. why is anybody – why is anything – because you look at their situation, mm-hmm. right? Why are they moving on from Gerald McCoy? Because they owe him $13 million, okay? Correct. If you're a team, you don't want him for $13 million. No. You think any other team in the NFL wants Gerald McCoy no. for $13 mil? No. no, they don't. No. So if they already know that you're thinking about moving on, they ain't trading shit for him. Sure, it's true. You're just getting, mm-hmm. They're just going to wait for him to get cut, and they're yeah. going to try to you know, win out a little bit of a bidding. But if he still could play, somebody would give him $13 million. If he could still play. Well, okay, so that's, that's true there. Here's, you know? here's a theory that I had thought about. Did they handle this? as desperately as they have to get rid of him and to kind of like you know let's face a little bit of a smear campaign here Mm -hmm. on some of the stuff you know we have never heard before the gm or the head coach or anybody do anything that wasn't backing gerald mccoy and all of a sudden this offseason over the last three months three four months it's kind of not only have they backed off that but bruce arians like you said is even kind of questioned his work ethic and so do they not want to put this guy in the ring of honor because here's the thing. He plays two more years here in Tampa mm. Bay. You got to put him up yeah, there. Yeah, but I don't think it has anything to do with that. I That's, just wonder. Yeah, I just wondered. He has, to go, he has to go to Ring of Honor. He, he has to. I think to. now? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All absolutely. right. Because I wanted that. I don't want that. Of because course. I looked at his stats and everything, and I looked at obviously how long he's been in Tampa Bay, and I, I said to myself, he plays two more years in Tampa, even if they're just not even great. No, he has to go to Ring of Honor. Then he goes in the Ring of Honor he, no matter he, what. He already does. Okay. Okay, he's already. Uh, there's how many how many Buccaneers have been to more Pro Bowls than him? Right. No. Right. I'm I'm with you. He has to go. Uh, okay. It does. Right. It doesn't mean that I, wonder, that I, I like his that. play. Though. I wonder that because if, if if we. If you've talked to former players and if they're former coaches who might say the same thing about him, I don't mm-hmm. know. haven't talked to them. But I'm, I assume that there are some that are out there. Mm-hmm. I just I, – I wonder if the Buccaneers go, do we want to put that guy in the ring of honor? Well, I, I don't think they have a choice, okay? Because, once again, it's, 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 it's not a statistical thing. You know, the Pro Bowls are enough, okay? That's enough because, I mean, you, you, if you take it to court, okay – the judge is going to go, well, he has more than this and this. this, this, this. You have to put him in. Mm. Okay. For me, I look at somebody's play. And if you make the Pro Bowl, the Pro Bowl is, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a beauty contest pretty sure. much. Okay. Right. I remember when I was with the Eagles and um, uh, who was a corner for the uh, the Giants, the white, the white kid. I think the last white corner ever. Oh, God. I don't uh, remember his name, but I know who he is. Seahorn. Jason Seahorn. Jay Seahorn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man, that was good. J- yeah. I think he's the last white corner. I haven't seen one since. Anyways, Jason Seahorn was playing so for the got, Giants. We got to represent a little yeah, bit better. Yeah, you, got, the, to, you, the got, you got to. <laughs> Nobody's even coming through. No, I don't ever. I haven't seen one since. But when Jason Seahorn was playing for the Giants, and he was a pro bowler at the time, our offensive coordinator was the great John Gruden, mm-hmm. and that was facetious. Okay, John Gruden. So John Gruden walks in the meeting, 
and he looked, he puts the film up, and Jason Seahorn's there, and he, he circles him, and he goes, this guy can't cover anybody on our team. And I was like, whoa. And I started to watch the film, and I'll be damned if he was getting toasted by everybody. Yeah. And he made the Pro Bowl that year. It's a popularity contest. Hmm. That film doesn't lie, hmm. okay? The film never, ever lies. And when I put the film, when I watched Gerald McCoy, I just see it, an, an uninstinctive football player that he doesn't take plays off, but he ain't no dog, though. I see, I see linemen putting their hands in his face and pushing him at the end of a play. I played that position. You know what I'm not going to do to Reggie White or John Randall? Clearing his face. No way. For what? <laughs> so to piss him off? He, he doesn't get pissed off. He doesn't get pissed off. So, however it happens, to me, it's just, it's funky to this point. I think he gets cut, though. He has going to. Back to your, going back to what you're he saying. He has to he get cut. Yeah. I mean, he can't put on a Buccaneer uniform anymore. No. And I've heard from. And, I mean, I think Bruce Arians, wasn't it last week? He goes, yeah, I don't discuss pe- players that aren't here. Oh, my. He said that about Jerry McCoy? God, yes. Well, maybe he meant not here as in in the building. No, no, he did mean in the building. Okay. But how, do you, how is that your response? That's about as cold hard as it gets. Yeah, that is. Because he's still, he's still a Buccaneer. He's still a Buccaneer. Oh my goodness, that was bad. That was the nail in the coffin to me. Cut him. Have you been in the locker room? Not yet, no. I haven't been over there. I've been doing draft stuff. I'm wondering if his stuff's still in his locker. If it wasn't, I think it'd be a big deal, so we'd know about it. Somebody would say something. Yeah, somebody about would say it. something. But I was, I was wondering that myself. But that'd be the first thing that I do is go. I'd go over to Joe McCoy's locker. Well, I, I don't know if Joe McCoy doesn't go take his stuff out of the locker. Seriously, I mean, he's not going to come back. He knows he's not coming back to this. Once he put that stuff out, um, you know, for on Cinco de Mayo, which by the way was gross. That video was gross. What a self-absorbed. Come on now. I mean, even if you like Joe McCoy, you look at that video, you got to go. Oh man, when I saw it, I go. That's what I've been saying. How self-absorbed are you to call yourself all pro on the field and an all pro dad? Uh, everybody else is drinking and I'm out here working out. Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit if you're working out? Everybody's working out. Stop it. It's all about me, 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 me. Forget about that. Just go play football, man. Forget about, you know, he, he's, you know, when, when I was watching Hard Knocks, He's wearing a kimono, and he's dancing in the weight room. That's mm-hmm. not football, man. That is just, that is, he's, he's like getting himself ready to be an actor after or something. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. get on the football field and punch somebody in the face. That's, that's what I want to see. I wonder if Bruce Arians agrees with you. I, I 100% he does. Yeah. Because once again, I've talked to many people. When I mean people in the know, I talked to a former offensive lineman for the Bucks. I mean, very well respected. And I brought Gerald McCoy's name up, and he said, um, what do you mean? I go, what do you think about Gerald? He, this, is his, this is what he said to me. Don't nobody like Gerald. Okay? Then I was in a press box one time, Damn. and there was a DB. When I say a big name in the Bucks, maybe the biggest ever. And I heard him call him the P word. Okay? Damn. Nobody that I ever played with is going to call me the P word. I'm, no way. No way. I, they can say I suck. That's fine. But if you Damn. call me the P word, we got to throw hands. Hands on sight. We got to throw no hands question. immediately. So it's just, it, that's the part to me that drives me nuts. And yeah. I don't think he's going to be here and, and good riddance and we, we, we move on from there. Where are we going to get a damn pass rush, though? That's the thing, man. I mean, like. I was kind of joking around on Twitter when you ever see that you ever see the the, the gif of of Draymond Green where he's like patting Kevin Durant okay. and like on the shoulder and <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's like whispering in his ear and Kevin's like yeah, yeah. nodding or whatever. <laughs> so like I posted that and I was like Bruce Arians going up to Shaq Barrett and saying the whole season's on your shoulders now. Yeah, no doubt. So it's like we got. I mean, 
let's look at the Bucks pass rush. Let's just say, <laughs> let's let's take J- JPP off of it. Which now, I got kind of, I'm kind of pissed off that Adam Schefter reported like, oh, season's probably really over. Quickly, when really it was quickly. like, dude, yeah. come on, like mm-hmm. we all gotta go off your word. And Correct. so I'm sitting there the day that Adam Schefter put this out, and I'm criticizing the Bucks mm-hmm. for knowing this and not drafting a pass rusher. Granted, they should have been drafted. Did they know before? Anyways. They knew. Did I, they knew? I mean, they, uh, his I accident know. happened before the draft, I think. And they just didn't know this. Well, I, well, you know what, though? If you go back to JPP when he was with the Giants and he blew his hand half off, it took a long time before the Giants knew what was going on. If you remember that, he was like, oh, no, yes. it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And finally came. I have, such a, I have such a hard time believing that an NFL team doesn't immediately know about things because they have... I don't know. They, but, I just, but how can they know if maybe he doesn't know? If you listen to the 911 call, mm-hmm. he says he's fine. And I think he is fine, I guess. So that was that was my whole point mm-hmm. is that he's not having surgery, right? Okay. So, I mean, Adam Schefter saying he's basically like his whole season and everything's in jeopardy was like, come on, dude. Yeah, this- but if it takes five or six months to heal, his season is in jeopardy. Well, right. But I, I'm pretty sure that they're saying like he's not going to do surgery. It's going to take a couple of months. He's going to miss training camp, obviously, maybe come back in like October, November. But he's not so. going to be up when you have a bad neck. That's true. You can't that's lift true. weights. Yeah, that's true. That's okay, true. so if you miss four months and you can't lift weights, you're in big, big trouble. I mean, he's going to have to be, you know, restrained and, and not do anything crazy. So no JPP, mm. no Jerry McCoy. Uh, their pass rush right now is Shaq Barrett, mm. who is working off a of one, who I like, okay. is working off a one year deal coming from Denver. Now, he, he had a pretty good role, not last year, but the year before with Denver as a pass rusher, but then Denver drafted Bradley Chubb. What was Chubb. his best year, though? What, so was, what was his best year? 2017 was. Okay. And I think he had. I don't know, like, I, I think it was right around five sacks okay. or something like that. So, okay. like, in a in a kind of a rotational role, you know, mm-hmm. you get five sacks, it's fine. Playing a little bit more of a prominent role in Tampa, so it's going to be... But remember, this team is now moving from more of a 4-3 base to... They'll stay multiple, but it's going to be some 3-4 in there sure. as well. Sure, Shaq Barrett, Carl Nassib, who... I mean, Renaissance year last year. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much I'm convinced that he's going to continue that trend. At least the dude works his ass off on the he field. He does. Though, and so. let, me, let me say something about Nassib. He he does make flash plays. Yeah. He's not the, he's not a great football player. No. Well, he's, he's, he, he, gets dude, hooked, he gets hooked a lot. The dude works he, he plays, his he plays, ass He plays off. hard, absolutely. So they need that anyways. But then the other dude is Noah Spence. And it's like, I feel like I've said of no expense in the last three years. Is it? I don't bring up his name anymore. <laughs> I don't even know who he is. Like, I'm serious. I mean, I don't know who he is either. What number is he? 57. Okay, I knew it. I, but I, <laughs> I don't remember the last time I saw Noah Spence on the field. Like, right. how many times are you going to hear that name? Yeah. Like, Noah Spence, Noah Spence. Who the hell is that? But here's the thing, man. And I know that, that like, guys have the opportunity to kind of call their own shots. But if you're a coach and you see a guy doing something, you don't like what they're doing, mm-hmm. you can be like, hey, man, stop gaining so much weight. Stop sure. doing this. Stop mm-hmm. doing that. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. like, that's something that could happen. Noah Spence came in his first year. What did he get? Four and a half, five and a half sacks, something like that. Then he had the shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. Okay. The soldier, shoulder injury. It wasn't great, and it's been something that's bothering him for a couple years. Then he got down to, like, 230. Then he got up to, like, 255. And the shoulder was a problem when he was bigger because he was having more weight and all this stuff. And, all, like, I, there has been almost – no Spence about to go into his fourth year in the league, mm-hmm. I think. There's been zero consistency the entire time. The and the time. whole point of being a rookie and getting younger is to get consistency and then build off of that, Correct. right? Correct. Noah Spence at no point has had consistency. Nope. He had his first year, which he was a rookie. 
Got five and a half sacks. Mm-hmm. Hurt his shoulder at the end. Showed okay. some signs. Yeah, showed, showed some, some signs. nice signs. Mm-hmm. Then he went down to 230. What are you doing? Then he went up to basically like 260. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? <laughs> now it's like I, he's never been the same. He doesn't even know how to build off of himself because mm-hmm. he's never been the same guy. Well, I mean, a shoulder has nothing to do with your weight, okay? Oh, it, yeah. For, it, right, it doesn't right. matter. It was just added stuff. Sure. It's like he's trying to play a different position while the shoulder wasn't totally mm-hmm. right and all this blah, 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 whatever. Well, I, I hope you're right that Bruce Arians is that damn good as he a coach. Better, because, he better I mean, be. honestly, seriously, I mean, because uh, offensively, uh, we are the same as last year minus two of our starting receivers. Humphreys is a starter for the most part. Okay. Deshaun Jackson is a starter for the most part. Deshaun Jackson's our speed, and Humphreys is 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 is, is his basically comfort pillow. Okay, for mm-hmm. for for uh, Jameis Winston. Mm-hmm. So the rest we haven't gotten better anywhere else. We have the same offensive line. We have the same running backs. We have the same tight ends who couldn't run the ball last year. So what is Bruce Arians going to do to make Demar Dotson and all these guys great run blockers? They haven't been in their career. O line's the big thing. O line is obviously the big thing for this team because I went back and I watched every single carry from Ronald Jones last year. Okay, <sighs> Rojo was not confident. Okay, like there was something wrong with him. He just was not. He was not what he needed to be. Like from a sharp. He's not instinctive either. Had no. Uh, he just. You know, I don't want to say this in a rookie because you know, to quote you, rookies mm-hmm. suck. They do. So I don't want to go too much, too hard on a rookie. But year. running back's a different situation. A little bit, uh, certainly from other from positions. greatness yes. as a rookie. You because you can be good. You get given the ball and just go. Where you're, that's different than reading a lot of stuff. You know, no, du- no doubt about it. And you can, you can. Put out whatever factors you want to. I talked about this early last year. Look, the kid's 20 years old. Okay, he came from Texas, went to USC. There's stories about how he was homesick mm-hmm. when he went from, from Texas to USC, okay? He's still a 20-year-old kid, comes from USC, goes all the way across the country, maybe getting his, you know, he's again, 20-year-old kid, trying to get his life together, a little uncomfortable, just not confident, okay? He was clearly not confident last year. Not saying that's going to save his career and he's going to flip a switch. Mm-hmm. I don't know because that already is a red flag to me. Yeah. Totally, sure, totally. Absolutely. But not going to say it's a nail in the coffin anyways. Going back to the O-line, watched every single carry of his from last year. That O-line sucked. 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 <laughs> it did, it did. He had zero holes the nah. whole time. Nah. They tried to watch, and I can't remember who told me this. Somebody somebody was on the sideline for one of the games in like November, October. And they were running outside zone with Ronald Jones mm-hmm. because that was also stupid. They <laughs> ran... They ran power and gap with Peyton Barber mm. so much between the tackles. And then the second Ronald Jones in, they tried to become a zone-blocking team. And it's like, you, it can't be that contrastly different. Yeah. There's got to be some mixture in between there. And I just didn't think that there was enough of it. Well, if to run a zone, okay, you need to be more instinctive than to run straight downhill, okay? Peyton, oh, of course. Because he doesn't have any instincts. you got to like, pick he, a lane. Absolutely. Yeah. There, there's, like, I've been, I was in Denver, okay, at the end of my career with Alex Gibbs when they were running the zone. And he is the guru of it. He's the number one guy of all and it's science bro it's, yes it's you got you got to hit angles and then there's certain cuts you make but you you have to set things up and you have to see it absolutely then, i mean that's why i remember you like, have to when, feel it too. when alfred morris is doing his thing under shanahan's offense mm-hmm. when they were running the zone block yep. i mean alfred morris ain't i mean he ain't an athletic nope. specimen he just knew anybody that played for denver with alex gibbs Ran for fifteen hundred yards because yeah, and then, and then they went somewhere else and did nothing. Pretty so much. I think that there was a lot to blame. But anyways, so the play's coming. It's an outside zone. They're running with Ronald Jones. They're coming to the sideline, and so, I can't remember who told me this, but somebody was just on the sideline close to it. Cutter's looking at the play halfway through the play. 
Cutter just turns around and goes, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And then he gets yeah. tackled yeah. a second later, two, yeah. two, sec- or two yards behind the line. All that is is our offensive lineman getting just bull rush into the backfield. Couldn't get there. And if a tackle is getting killed off the side, the play's not going to work. Play didn't work. So play never worked. I didn't understand a lot of things that were happening. So, and I'm hoping that they figure out to put the right people in the right places. And Jameis Winston obviously has to have a great season. His best season. Let's, let's not. And we've talked about this, too, on the air. What happens? Let me give you a scenario. Okay. What happens if the Bucks go 5-11 and 11 and Jameis Winston does exactly what he did last year? What do we do at the end of the year? Oh, you draft quarterback in the oh, first but, round. But, but listen, though. What have we ever put around Jameis Winston? If we don't run the football and we don't protect him well, well I mean, it's hard to evaluate somebody. Like, you know, Dak Prescott. Yeah. You put Dak Prescott on the Buccaneers team last year, he sucks. I mean, he sucks anyway. Yeah, but that's go, what I'm saying. We'll go off. But Dak Prescott's <laughs> going to get paid right. because right. he can hand the ball off to Zeke Elliott and then throw the ball 25 times, and he won't make that many mistakes. Mm-hmm. If you get Jameis Winston to that situation, I think he can excel. But instead of throwing the ball 40 freaking times a game, at least. Yeah. And then that's his equation uh, for failure for me. So to me, it's going to be a tough situation because somebody who has – Good things like I can see the Denver Broncos salivating to get Jameis Winston. Mm-hmm. Okay, good offensive line. They run the ball a little bit, play yeah. some defense. Okay, sure. But we we don't play defense. We don't run the ball. Mm-hmm. We don't protect well, and it's just it's hard to evaluate somebody that way. So let's hope it doesn't happen again. But yeah. you know, Vegas has it at six and a half, and I'm not sure if it doesn't go down because of the JPP thing. Dude, I, I when I looked at that at the beginning of the year, I know the schedule's rough, mm-hmm. which like. That's a, that was the most ludicrous thing I've ever seen in that schedule when it came out. Yeah. How they screwed Tampa, they, unprecedentedly yeah. screwed Tampa on and, that and, schedule. And admitted it. And admitted, and admitted it immediately it. after. Yeah. They go, they went, Whoa. Yeah, if we could have a do over, we'd probably like to take a look at that could Tampa you schedule. That, could you imagine them doing that to oh Pittsburgh? Or New, no, or no, New England no. or New Orleans. They would never. 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 We're probably one of the only teams you could do that to. Yes. Because we are the bitches of the NFL, unfortunately. And it is unfortunate. All right. Well, brother, I got to get you on more often, man. Dude, I'm, you're, I'm you're, always around. So you're, you just you're, let me know. You're good at what you do. Actually, I'm I'm solo this week on air. So maybe you should pop on with me sometime. Listen, let me know. We'll make okay. It happen. We'll definitely make it happen. Trevor Sikama, somebody wants to get in contact with you. How do they get you? Yeah. Uh, best way to reach me, just on Twitter. I'm on there all the time. At Tampa Bay Trey, T-R-E at the end. So. Um, yeah, I'm talking all kinds of stuff. Bucks football draft, NFL in general, um, sharing some good laughs, all that kind of stuff. The whole nine yards. So Trevor Sikama, Peter Report, and the Draft Network. Thank you again, brother. Course, if anybody man. wants to get in touch with me, Ian Beckles at RadioInfluence.com. If you guys have uh, any emails, I'll try to answer your questions. So thank you for uh, tuning in. Uh, we all know that uh, games are won in the trenches, and that might be our problem this year. So everybody have a wonderful week, and uh, stay out of trouble. Peace out. You have been in the trenches with Ian Beckles on Radio Influence. Looking for studios in the Tampa Bay area to record your podcast? Radio Influence can help. With two studios on either side of the bay, Radio Influence has you covered. Engineered and produced by longtime radio professionals, achieve the excellence in podcasting that you and your listeners deserve. For more information or to schedule studio time, email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. Radio Influence, the future is now.